Hello, this is Glenda Taylor and the One and All Wisdom Podcast. I want to speak to you today about something serious. I hesitate, though, as I could easily be unclear, misspeak, or be misinterpreted. But this feels important enough for me to risk it. But let me begin slowly by walking around my subject, so to speak, before addressing it directly, which is often my way. Let's start with my actual morning walk. I was making my usual rounds, visiting with the trees. I almost tripped over an exposed root as I was drawn to look closely at the leaves of a sweet gum tree near the gate. The autumn colors this year are not vivid. There's been little rain lately. But this particular tree was vibrant. As I reached out to touch the leaves of a lower limb, I noticed how the undersides of many of the leaves were still a solid light green color, while the upper sides of the leaves had no green, but were gold and yellow with little splotches of ruby red. I was fascinated by the striking difference. The leaf's colorful variegated topside and the solid green of the leaf's less conspicuous underside. I'd never noticed this striking color difference before. Then the leaf I was holding onto just let go of the limb and came away into my hand. I carried it with me as I continued my walk, turning the leaf this way and that, thinking about the phrase, the hidden underside of things. As I walked, the ground underfoot was unusually spongy and soft, the soil having recently been loosened and disturbed by moles or gophers. Those creatures are always here, but usually they're mostly hidden underground, not so noticeable as they are now. Evidence of their presence is right now here in the open, with many mounds of dirt everywhere and frequent collapsed tunnels running along the surface of the ground to trip me up too. Knowing that ants tend to take over those dirt mounds, I I walked into our camping area here to check on what I feared might be a growing ant town. I discovered that many new ant mounds have appeared and and have spread out widely, and I knew that there was a great deal more of this ant town underground than I could see on the surface. But I thought, even on the surface, this thing has gotten so large, it has become an empire, not a town. I'll have to do something about this. And these underground tunnels are taking over this whole area. Camping here will be impossible. Then, as I headed back towards the house, thinking about the ants and the leaf in my hand, I was also paying close attention to the familiar pathway. At my age, I watch the ground carefully when I walk to be sure not to fall. On the surface of the pathway, I noticed the gleam of a newly exposed shiny flat rock. The one heavy recent overnight rain had washed dirt away from the top and sides of the rock. I stopped and admired it, thinking, well, here is another thing surfacing that was more underground before. The rock, the ants, the moles of gophers, (laughs) the exposed tree root even. The underground is really revealing itself these days, coming to the surface everywhere. Even as I walked away, all of that, the rock, the ants, the mole hills, the gopher tunnels, and even the underside of the tree leaves, and the root suddenly came together in my mind, 
along with a host of associations, so that I had to go sit in a rocker on the porch of the medicine lodge for a while to allow myself to absorb the reflections filling my mind. These days, in the larger world around me, many things seem to be coming to the surface that were previously underground, as it were, or were at least partially hidden. And this takes me, of course, to the serious thing I wanted to talk about today on this podcast. Because these things that are surfacing in my little forest environment or in the big outer human world are hazardous. I can get seriously stung up if I happen unwittingly into an ant town. Animals and even tractors have been known to fall through into really large ant towns. And one can easily break a bone by stepping the wrong way into a washed-out molehill or a collapsed gopher tunnel. Likewise, some people today fear that our democracy could be broken if a few more missteps occur. The ground beneath our culture has been loosened, and it is easy to wonder if the systems of our government, or even of simple human civility, will give way completely, and as a society, we will fall through. Sometimes that happens, just like with ant colonies. Human colonies, human empires, human democracies sometimes do fall through. I don't need to go into a lot of detail about this. Most of us know the litany, feel the dangers. We worry about the extensive and spreading divisiveness, tribalism, intolerance. We watch with dismay as more and more people in the public arena and more and more ordinary citizens fall through into unexpected behaviors, justifying themselves with that old deadly notion that the end justifies the means, that a good enough end justifies any means, however unsightly or unseemly. More and more we see around us the debasement of human morality and of ethical standards, allowing for those age-old human demons lust for power, greed, envy, the willingness to evoke violence, to perpetrate violence, to justify or tolerate violence, to look the other way or ignore violence. The tendency toward these deadly sins that have long roiled beneath the surface of our cultural consciousness now are coming brazenly right out into the open. And all of this stuns us frightens us. Where does all this come from? We ask each other. Well, we know where it comes from. Centuries of circumstances, history, happening through generations and generations of humankind, one way and another, and embedding itself layer by layer into our collective consciousness in each of us and in all of us. From the time of the most ancient humans to this day, certain characteristics of, well, of brutal survival and dominance have been present, along with, of course, the counterbalancing abilities to cooperate, to be compassionate, to care for the whole group rather than merely acting in self-interest. In more recent centuries, of course, history has become more and more complex so that simplistic explanations won't do. 
And it's important to say that our country's complicated history has laid itself down differently, slanted itself differently, been experienced differently by certain groups of our people than it has been experienced by others. History has laid down certain attitudes, certain points of view, certain perspectives that automatically provide unexamined assumptions and prejudices that color to some extent all of our judgments and our behaviors. Few of us really are consciously aware of where our own personal experience begins and where memories or traditions from the long-gone past ends. Now, I can hear someone say, Oh no, is this going to be another of those statements, there's good people on all sides? No, it isn't. There may be good on all sides, but there is also the potential for evil on all sides. And some people act out those evil potentials, while others do not. And that's a big difference on all sides. But this is also not a righteous indignation rant. I'm not about pointing fingers and placing blame. I'm here instead to talk about how carefully and thoughtfully we must deal with all this. Because these issues that have erupted into the light of day, no longer hidden under a rock, are not going away easily. Certainly, to force them back underground out of sight won't work. We've tried that. Like ants that can be discouraged in one place, the causes of our particular social and cultural disturbances will only come back in another way in another place, if not addressed and dealt with in an honest and effective manner. All of this musing came to me as I sat today on the porch of the Medicine Lodge, the morning sun and the slanting shadows of the trees filling my vision as I sat and thought about my earlier remark. The underground is certainly revealing itself lately. I actually know a lot about the word underground. Being a longtime student of psychology and comparative religion and mythology, I know a lot about the associations we make to that word underground. I know, for example, that in the underground, there are wondrous and helpful things. It is where tree roots lie and deposits of life-giving water, and diamonds and gold, and tiny microbial life without which the above-ground world would suffer. If we were really to inspect what's underground, we would discover a deep web of interconnectedness, far more intricate and inseparable than what appears above-ground. Life itself comes from wellsprings of hidden energies and interconnectedness in the unseen underground world, physical and psychological. But we human people more often associate the underworld with negative things, and we express that metaphorically. We call criminals the underworld. And we even use the metaphor of a mole in the criminal underworld as a squinty-eyed infiltrator who has burrowed into someone else's secret business. We say that some unpleasant human activity or movement has gone underground, and we don't know what's happening with it. And we refer negatively to the seamy underside of things. 
In myth and religion, the underground, the underworld, is often the place of the dead, or otherwise a tricky or dangerous place to avoid. In most of the ancient myths and legends, one can be pulled into the underworld easily, by alluring creatures, by tricky elves, or by ravishing gods. And once lured or kidnapped into the underworld, one can become trapped there, unable to return to above-ground normal life. Psychology, too, sometimes tends to view the underworld of the individual psyche, the unconscious, if you will, as rather chancy, either as being full of repressed, unsatisfactory traits, or as containing hidden potentiality for, well, for anything, for ill, we usually assume, or or possibly for creativity that we can't or don't access, probably because doing so would change our lives dramatically. And that's scary. For most of us, the underworld level of consciousness does not carry the same value as the rational upper levels of consciousness. We associate the upper world with the cerebral cortex, with rational thinking, with cognitive skills, the so-called lower parts of the psyche we associate with collective consciousness, inherited traits, with instinct and archetypes that operate in the background of our lives, unnoticed, little understood, but oftentimes taking us over in what we may consider to be unfortunate ways. The devil made me do it. And so when we think about the underworld of the psyche, if we think about the psyche at all, it is for most of us more or less hidden, unfamiliar, stuff that is below the level of conscious awareness, usually threatening, at least to the status quo. All of this reminds me of why, years ago, I was initially interested in the work of C.G. Jung, who wrote extensively about the underworld, or the collective unconscious of the human psyche. Jung has gone out of fashion a bit by now among those who favor cognitive therapies that can deal well enough, it's true, with whatever is rational in our psyches and maybe quickly enough for our insurance companies to be willing to pay the bill. But cognitive therapies can be waylaid by the instinctive, so-called primitive levels of consciousness, so deep-seated in us largely hidden from our own awareness, and that all too frequently seem to be beyond our rational control. Our reasoning ability is, as Jung said, shifting the metaphor from the underground to the undersea, our reasoning ability is like a little boat floating upon the vastness and depth and power of the great seas of the total psyche. Our reason is ever in danger of being swamped by the force of unknown depths. The expression still holds today as it did once among map makers who indicated the unknown on their maps by the words, there be dragons here. And there are, <laughs> under the sea or underground, in the psyche or in our culture. But Jung helped me to understand that we cannot simply get rid of all those subterranean aspects of consciousness, nor would we want to. There is gold there. 
There are centuries of human experience to learn from. And there is untapped creativity, too. For as mystics and saints and any of us hopeful people know, there is an evolving consciousness in us, better than the past or the present, stirring also in the depths of us. Religious people may call it God's plan for us. Jungians may call it the larger self, with a capital letter, self, that is purposeful and offers guidance. My generation of folks look to it to bring a new age when things were better. And some things are better. Let's pause to acknowledge that. That long arc of history bending toward freedom and all that may be more beautiful and more holy, that is, I believe, still fostered by creative forces in the depths of the human consciousness, working its way through the evolution of circumstances and convoluted history, but always toward a better and more perfect union, as our forebears in this country said. And I believe that if we as a people today open ourselves as individuals and as a culture to be informed by listening, paying attention to this deeper strata of consciousness, we may discover bubbling up a wellspring of inspiration to deal with the serious issues at hand in addition to the problems and issues that our history and our present circumstances have presented us with, I believe we can find new evolving possibilities, stuff we haven't even thought of or imagined, despite of, or maybe even because of, the awful and dangerous things that have emerged lately for us to see and deal with. Jung said that there is value in having dangerous underground elements reveal themselves to us in a timely and safe manner so that we can acquaint ourselves with them, deal with them, chart our little boats safely around their hazards, so that we can be prepared for potential earthquakes and structure our dwellings accordingly. It's important to keep an eye on what's happening underground. Usually, though, most of us aren't paying attention, being caught up as we are in our surface activities. We pay little attention to the rumblings and warning eruptions from underworld realms of consciousness, our own or our cultures. At least not until, well, until metaphorically we step into an ant bed and get stung up or, or break an ankle in a gopher hole or in our culture until lots of people act out in unexpected ways that reveal all too clearly prejudices and attitudes are issues that are deep there under the surface and now showing through. Having said that, I must repeat that much depends on what problems or issues we're talking about and who's talking about them, whether the problems have been ignored or, or hidden or not. Mainstream culture may have ignored or pushed certain things under the surface and neglected them, but for minority cultures or rural cultures or Native American cultures, to cite a few examples, certain issues haven't been under the surface at all, but have daily been right there affecting their lives. But as a general statement, right now none of us, none of us welcome the extreme behaviors we see surfacing in our society, I think, 
extremes that are outrageous and, yes, dangerous, having appeared dramatically, like the ant empire in the camping area, spreading and spreading as they are tolerated and even encouraged by certain circumstances and certain people. All this could force us as a society to look clearly at the underlying issues and long-ignored problems in our culture and at the ways the problems are connected to each other by hidden complexity of underground tunnels, if you will. But looking at all this carefully won't happen likely if we continue with our current divisive, polarized ways as we've devolved into us-versus-them thinking. Now, I imagine that about now, Jung would point out, referring to my two-sided leaf thing this morning, that although I can turn my leaf back and forth one way or the other, thinking that the two sides of the leaf are different looking, different colored, that there's actually only the one pattern of veins that runs through the leaf. Either way I turn it, it's the same veins. Likewise, we may need to remember that all of us humans are connected by some common patterns. No matter how we look at it, no matter what color we are, or how old or young or tattered or richly adorned, no matter how history shaped us and our group and our families, on the deepest levels of consciousness, we all grow on the same tree of life. And its roots and veins originate in the underground of our collective history and grow from its creative, life-giving sources. As humans, we have a most ancient heritage of what I might call the human spirit, evolving and developing a goodness and, and a creative potential. Whatever our own or our group's particular history However much it looked and felt and and was different from one side or the other, underneath that particular history and within it are certain basic human needs that we all share. And paying attention to that, keeping that view in mind, we can learn from history and allow history to show us a better way if we are discerning, and if we are open to the possibility of change. But we do have to look at our history for that to happen. We do have to venture to the underworld, so to speak, to get past the scary, threatening guardians at the gate, those tribal memories and personal prejudices, to explore further into those darker caverns of our being until we find, ultimately, that level of common ground. Common needs, common good, humankind, humankind, with all its kindness available to us. Or otherwise, our divisive history can be repeated even worse than before. It's hard to turn away from our divisiveness. We've got our own television news, our own set of Facebook friends echoing and cementing our views, our alternate facts, as they are called, not encouraging us to be broad-minded or kind, 
we are reminded constantly of the imbalances in our culture, the injustices, the things that are wrong. And there are imbalances. And they have, it's true, been there for a long time, too long. Right now, the circumstances have been right. And those injustices have come to the surface. And we see behaviors of others, particularly those we strongly disagree with. And we may say something like, God, they act like they have just come out from under a rock. And they have. Those behaviors did come out from the dangerous underside of the underworld of our history, out of the hidden subterranean conflicts and sufferings and losses and displacements and violence of centuries. Tribalism, terrorism, scapegoating, and other things. Some people are acting the way they do because they have, to use an old-fashioned sort of word, been possessed by an upsurge of passionate force informed and shaped by tribal history, as well as their own real issues and real feelings. But if we, any of us, are blinded by our own preconceived notions and our own prejudices, we don't have enough of the big picture to see what's actually happening. We can't even see what's in our own best interest. We can be and have been taken in and deceived by those who would use our limited view of things to get us to go along with them in pursuing their own interest instead of ours. Let us all open our eyes. Let us all pause to look deeper than we usually do. If we look deeper into the roots of many issues, we nearly always find an imbalance of power, economic or political or social or educational or regional or other kinds of power. These imbalances bring with them both insecurity and injustice because far too often those having power work to institutionalize the imbalances for their own gain. And that, of course, continually causes more imbalance, more tribalism, more resistance, more violence. All of these, of course, have been here with us, perhaps always. At times, we've been able to look the other way, ignoring these imbalances, turning away from looking at them deeply because, well, because it's hard. It's sad. It's terrifying, really. Things feel bad right now, deeply discouraging. Or sometimes we don't want to look at them because we may be the recipients of the benefits of the way things are. But now they are right out in the open, demanding our attention. Add to that right now plague, drought, disease, and other ecological disasters, and the imbalance becomes intolerable erupting in even more violence and self-defensive activity on almost everyone's part. So that now some people may fear that democracy is perhaps not so deeply rooted in human culture as is tribalism, that our goodwill may be overbalanced by our self-defensiveness, that indeed evil may be so inbred a given that goodness may be a more shallow part of human nature than anger and hate and recrimination and revenge. 
it's easy to lose hope, to reject any thought of looking deeper into things. Remember the old saying, always face the sunshine and you'll never see the shadows. Well, interestingly, Jung once said, one does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkness conscious. One does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkness conscious. And he also said, knowing your own darkness is the best method for dealing with the darkness of other people. Knowing your own darkness is the best method for dealing with the darkness of other people. Can we do this? I want to fully participate in the co-creation of the world, a newer, better world, where everyone is taken into account. How can I do this in a good way, turning an attentive eye to the underworld, the unconscious, the potentially dangerous and potentially creative hidden things around me, within me, and within other people? How can I be with that which may disturb my own comfort and sense of security? How can I be with people I disagree with or am afraid of or find reprehensible and with some people whose actions truly are reprehensible? How can I access new ideas and activities that are for my own betterment as well as everyone else's? Most important and most difficult, perhaps, how can I be willing to learn from challenging things and people and their attitudes? How can I see these people in a different way than I have before? Maybe even in a better way than those people can see themselves. Maybe if we just stopped asking each other, what's wrong with you? And asked each other instead, what do you need? That would be a good start. Now, I've gone on at length here. I should stop. I don't pretend to have all the answers, maybe even any of the answers. But taking the time to pose the right questions in the right way is often the most helpful thing for me. If I take the time to carefully frame the questions while keeping an open mind and heart, answers, new, unexpected answers, or at least new insights and directions do come, often in mysterious and unforeseen ways. I hope that we, as individuals, as a society, take the time now to think deeply and to listen to each other and to our own unheard voices within us, especially to our own narrow and limited points of view, and to listen deeper to our own deepest wisdom and creative insights and human kindness. We're at a critical point in our culture's history. We can fall back into the unexamined and undisciplined behaviors that got us here where we are, or we can take the time and the effort to draw deeply upon those wellsprings of wisdom, inspiration, evolving creativity available to us, and together we can 
become a new people with a new way of being. We can, as Lincoln said, rededicate ourselves to that. I choose that. I leave you with one last quote from Jung. Quote, Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life, and you will simply call it fate. Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life, and you will simply call it fate. End quote. I say it's not our fate to fail this time. We can do this hard work of shining a light into the depths of ourselves, our history, and our always present potential for good. What do you think? What do you say? What are your questions or revelations? Give me some feedback at oneandallwisdom.com by leaving a comment on the podcast page. Until next time, when I'll be speaking about something probably altogether different, this is Glenda Taylor at the One and All Wisdom Podcast.